You're Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, and I have a Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HOLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, I wanted to give some updates about the Jets lineups and talk about the game tomorrow against the Oilers, as it will be a pretty big deal, I think, for both teams. The Oilers remain one of the hottest teams in the West, although you might wonder if they have any particular weaknesses. And I'll give some thoughts on Maurice's adjusted lines and how I think that'll play against a team that, quite frankly, is is really riding McDavid and that top-end offense to glory. After that, I wanted to look at both conferences and take a look at some of the top players in each league, Uh, check out some of the guys who are either having maybe comeback seasons, breakout years, and then finally talk a little bit about where I think the Jets' top-end forwards rank. You know, are we looking at a really bad Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, or is there more to the story with them? First, though, let us talk about the new Jets lines. And these lines aren't super new, I would say, but they are a bit different than what we're used to. We've got Kopp, Shifley, and Ehlers on the first line, Connor Dubois, Wheeler on the second line, Harkins, Lowry, Svechnikov on the third, and then Toninato, Nash, and Veselainen on the fourth. The other D pairings haven't changed, so I'm not really going to go over that. Notably absent is Paul Stastny, who still remains injured and out for the time being, so hopefully he gets healthy and comes back soon. As far as like the uh, reasoning for the changes and stuff that were given, though, it seems like Maurice kind of recognizes that Shifley has, in fact, been pretty good, and that splitting him away from Wheeler would be the right and most operative decision. Where I've got some concerns is seeing Connor and Dubois with Wheeler. We all know that Connor and Wheeler don't really play super well together, and then you have Dubois, who's kind of a different style of player. When you had Connor Dubois and Svechnikov, Svechnikov was at least, you know, positionally pretty sound. He understood where he needed to be on the ice, he was able to get there, he often put himself in either good passing or shooting positions, and in general he just offered pretty nice offensive support. With Wheeler, you're going to have a guy who is unfortunately not really capable of keeping up with speedier rushes and stuff. Oftentimes I've found that when Shifley was with Wheeler, Blake frequently wasn't available as an outlet or as a good shooting option, or even when he was, he wasn't really all that dangerous. And so, with this line, I kind of feel like taking Svechnikov out doesn't really make a lot of sense. If Svech was going to be replaced with anyone, I might have looked at Veselainen first. I think Christian has honestly earned a, a bigger look with his team, and certainly in an elevated role, because if you place him with, like, fourth-line players who are a bit more grindy on the forecheck and stuff, I think it takes away from a lot of his best shooting traits. And it's a bit puzzling to me that the Jets continue to kind of go with these lineups that don't really align to how the skills really match up. I know that Paul is trying to put Wheeler in a good spot to succeed and maybe give him more ice time because he is the captain, but when you think about how this team has played with Wheeler actually getting more like third-liner minutes, it's been pretty effective, and so I'm going to be watching very closely the time on ice in tomorrow's game. I I think that that'll be a huge indicator as to how Maurice actually sees this lineup. I think right now the line combos are kind of like 
eh, a bit mediocre to me. Cop, Shifley, and Ehlers will probably be fine. The only thing that I've noticed is that Ehlers hasn't really had that same jump and step. It kind of seems like he's a little bit behind where he usually is, and it's not just in like his skating or puck possession. Like his shooting doesn't really seem 100% on point. His ability to find softer spaces has been a bit limited, and he's also causing some more turnovers than we're used to, so I just feel like Ehlers is really fighting it, and I think he must be injured or something because a lot of the stuff with that that we're seeing from him is the kind of play that you would expect somebody who's nursing something pretty serious to be trying to fight through. So I'm not really thrilled with his performance so far, but I'm not really sure it's on him either. He just hasn't been good, and I don't think it's it's entirely his fault. People might raise an eyebrow at Shifley getting the top-line promotion, but I definitely agree with that decision. I think Mark has looked pretty good overall. His last game against um, the, the Kings wasn't exactly great. I know that he did have an overtime winner and stuff, but it wasn't the kind of game where I would say that was like a sterling performance. Uh, in general, I felt like he was behind the play a lot. He was kind of invisible at times, but that's more outside the norm of what we've been getting from him recently. I, I feel like his overall performance thus far to start the season has actually been really good. The only place his impacts aren't really showing up is on the score sheet, and I don't know that that's entirely his fault either. I think his line mates need to do better. I think he's been a little bit unfortunate himself. Overall, Mark's just doing everything right except for scoring. Going against this Oilers team tomorrow is going to be an interesting test because Edmonton is very aggressive and very fast. While they do have a very leaky defense and certainly a, uh, a goaltending group that's not exactly, well, you know, rock solid or anything, I would say, this is a team that can really hurt you on the power play. And you've got McDavid, Dreisaitl, you've got Puya Yarvi, Nugent Hopkins. This is a really deep forward unit, and I think the off-season additions and stuff have really made them an even more dangerous group. If the Jets start getting into like a run-and-gun kind of game, they might have a shot, but they definitely cannot allow themselves to fall prey to uh, silly turnovers, bad passes, stuff that gets picked off easily by the Oilers. As soon as Edmonton starts setting up zone possession, that's when you find yourself in trouble. They're very quick to get from high to low spots, and those spots where they're low often is, is where Hellebuck really can't make a save. You know, those cross-lot passes are going to be dangerous. They're going to have really good rebound opportunities. You just can't really give Edmonton time and space, and I think everyone knows this because they've seen McDavid, but this team has a really strong supporting cast in terms of, like, the forward unit. When you go to the defense, though... Yeah, I might have some questions about that. I don't think it's nearly as bad as I was expecting it to be, but it's still not very good either. I say all of this, of course, in Edmonton is 11-3, but when you look at their goal differential and stuff, they're just shooting the lights out. This is a team that has an offensive juggernaut masking a back end that might not be super stout. I mean, Edmonton has actually conceded more goals than the Jets, and I mean, the Jets are considered to have a pretty poor defense, so... If Winnipeg can find a way to limit the damage McDavid and the rest of his group does, they have a shot at winning, but it's going to be a really, really tough outing. Some part of me hopes that this forward group doesn't really work as well. I feel like splitting up Connors, Vechnikov, and Dubois was a huge mistake in my mind. And if Wheeler starts playing 20 plus minutes, that's going to be a huge issue with his team. So we'll be carefully monitoring the whole outcome and see what happens tomorrow. And I'll report my observations and thoughts on that game in tomorrow night's episode as well. Maybe even a few thoughts about the weekend clash against the Kings, which, if you missed it, you didn't really miss much, so I wouldn't worry too much about that for now. For the remainder of the episode, though, I thought it would be fun to talk about some of the current top-scoring and top-performing players this year. We have a couple of very interesting candidates for each position, and we'll go by East and Western conferences. We'll start off with the East first in just a moment, but before we move on, I thought you should hear a little bit about why DirecTV Streaming is your best option for all of your streaming multimedia needs. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. 
Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible with device required. Content varies by package. Go to DirectTV.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are now transitioning to talking about some of the top players having big years this season, some players who are maybe rebounding after some tough stretches, or some guys who are having breakout years for maybe the first or second time of their career. The first two guys I'm going to talk about are pretty obvious. It's McDavid and Dreisaitl, and I don't really know that there's much that you even have to say about that. They're just kind of lighting it up, man. They're like tearing this league apart, and we haven't really seen a dynamic duo this good and this productive in some time, and that they can do it either at even strength or on the power play is very impressive. These guys just have so much ability to be lethal at all situations, especially the power play. I mean, you basically can't stop that unit if you're down a man, but... Even at even strength, you know, McDavid is just tearing people apart, and he finally has some legit winger support to give him those extra weapons to get him over the hump. Now, aside from those guys, which are very obvious, one group that I think doesn't get nearly as much attention is Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. Now, Ovechkin is obviously making a lot of headlines because he has 12 goals so far. He's continuing to push towards that NHL goal-scoring record held by Gretzky, and he's still a ways off. But he could probably do it in like three to four years if he were to keep this crazy pace and health streak up. I don't know that it's going to happen, but we'll see. Where I kind of feel like the, the headlines maybe are, are not seeing the full picture is that Kuznetsov has been one of the biggest reasons why Ovechkin is, is finding even more success. Evgeny is having a breakout year, and when Kuznetsov is kind of in his zone and he's really playing at the level that we know he's capable of, he truly is one of the great game breakers of the NHL. Kuzi is one of those guys who can kind of take over a game, and we've seen it time and time again. His ability to completely dominate offensive zone possessions while also limiting um, offensive opportunities against because he's controlling the play and controlling the puck make him such a versatile dynamic center. While he may have some defensive issues more in previous seasons than this year, Kuzi's offensive value is at such a staggeringly high level that it's hard to find fault in his game. When he's like truly committed and, and truly at his, his peak of his performance, there's really not many players that can touch him. He's He's on the level for me of like, I don't know, probably like a McKinnon or something like that. Maybe like a point caliber player. You know, Kuzi, again, as he goes, the Caps basically do. I mean, he he really is one of the heart and soul players um, and certainly one of the top offensive performers. He's got 20 points so far this year. I mean, it's very impressive, and it doesn't seem like he's slowing down. So I, I think if you're a Caps fan or you're just really interested in seeing some of the top players out east, Kuzi's going to be one to watch this year. Also, out east, we've got some very interesting defenders starting to make a case for a, uh, a big um, Norris win. At the top of the list uh, is one of two players, and this one is Adam Fox from the Rangers. Now, uh, you know, Fox won the Norris last year, and I don't know how many times players win consecutive awards like this. It doesn't seem like it's all that common, and maybe Fox will kind of lose eligibility because of that. But he's currently um, tied for first with Roman Yossi with 16 points this year. And we all know that like points for defenders tends to be one of the most hyped metrics when it comes to defender ratings for the Norris. 
while it is kind of silly and it doesn't really reflect how they're actually playing, Fox is actually earning those points and he's dominating at all three zones of the ice. His ability to transition from out of the defensive zone, up through the neutral zone, and into offensive zone possession domination makes him one of the most dynamic three zone threats. He can really control the tempo of the ice and because he's so good positionally and knows how to use a slightly smaller stature to kind of shield off opposing skaters who frankly have a pretty decent amount of weight on him. In my mind, it makes him one of the truly elite defenders out there. He's got that Charlie McAvoy level of, of domination where if he's on the ice, good things are just going to happen for New York. Um, it doesn't happen often where he really struggles or, or has a rough game. His ability to just pick out perfect passing lanes, uh, rush up the ice with control, create shooting and passing lanes. In many ways, he does all of the things that you would expect one of the top tier NHL forwards to do. And that's kind of why I feel like he is truly in the modern mold of, of what these younger D are starting to showcase. You know, you, you don't exactly have positionless hockey, I would say, but you've got guys who could probably play multiple positions because they have such talent in all facets of the game. Fox is very special, and it's obvious that he is on the rise. So I think he will have multiple Norris wins throughout his career. It's already tracking that way, and maybe he even gets a Hall of Fame nomination one day. We are, like, at least a couple of decades out from that, but... Fox is the kind of player who seems like he might be writing his own history. The last player from the East that I'm really going to spotlight is somebody that I think a lot of people are, are kind of missing because he plays for Detroit. And I'm not talking about Moritz Sider. Sider has been great and is one of the top rookie D out there. But the guy that I'm thinking of is Lucas Raymond. And I remember Raymond, you know, being a pretty hyped draft prospect. But I think anyone thinking he would have 17 points uh, through the first several games of his career would be vastly overstating their expectations. I thought Raymond would be an impact player in like a, a second or a third line role, but he's clearly been one of Detroit's most dangerous players and honestly just one of the best forwards in the entire NHL. His ability to dominate slot offense, to create chances and find soft spots where he can either snipe great goals or, or set up passing lanes for teammates like Dylan Larkin, truly showcases just how much of a force of nature he truly is. He's going to be one of the top players in this league for years to come. I feel like his offense is just starting to find its true stride, and it's really cool to see somebody who has walked into the NHL and found so much success immediately. He and guys like Dawson Mercer have immediately made significant impacts on their NHL teams, Cole Sillinger to a lesser extent as well, but, you know, Raymond... I know that Detroit doesn't have a lot of scoring weapons and maybe is seen as a more mediocre team. All that said, I don't think that should detract from Raymond's success at all. I think he's very clearly one of the true top-end players out there, and he's already the clear call to front-runner. In fact, I don't really know if anyone's going to be all that close to him by the season's end. If this current pace continues, which would be hard to say I would expect it, but if it does... He's going to be up there for one of the best uh, rookie seasons that we've really seen um, since McDavid and some of the other guys. I mean, there aren't many players who just walk into the NHL immediately starting to rack up points while also dominating play um, really in all zones of the ice. It's, Raymond's a very special breed of player, and we don't see such a level of success immediately in many prospects. So hats off to Raymond. I think he will win the Calder. It's, it's pretty easy to say that right now, but the year is still long, so let's hope that he can just stay healthy and grab that award. There are more Eastern Conference players players that I'll probably talk about throughout the rest of the week and some guys that I think should get even more looks, especially if you're looking for maybe some underrated fantasy stars. Maybe you need a goaltender like Frederick Anderson. We'll talk about some of those players in a future episode, but for now, I kind of wanted to take a look at some of the top performers out West. Before then though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. 
Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special, limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello, friends. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about some of the top performers from the Eastern and Western conferences. I do realize that in the previous segment, I accidentally mentioned Drysaddle and McDavid before talking about the actual Western Conference, so you'll have to forgive me. It's been a long day. But uh, looking at the Western Conference has been an interesting, I would say, smorgasbord of players. You know, one of the guys that I think has really caught me off guard has been Troy Terry of the Ducks. Now, Anaheim in general... They've been punching above their weight, and I don't know if it's the kind of level of success that's really sustainable. They seem to be doing well enough in the Pacific, right? And I feel like their level of play has been very much sufficient. They're getting pretty good goaltending. Uh, Their offense seems to be clicking fairly well. Uh, The defense has done a pretty good job, especially Hampus Lindholm. I just don't know if that's ever going to last. You know, this is a team that is still kind of in the middle of rebuilding and still needs a few pieces to start being really, I I would say, competitive. But hey, you do have to give them some credit for the earlier performances that they've given. Maybe they're really this good and they can sustain it for the entire year, which would be interesting for the rest of the West. I think the Ducks have traditionally been a pretty easy opponent, but maybe they're finally turning it around. Of note for the Jets is Kyle Connor, who is currently one of the top uh, even strength scorers out there. Connor just keeps racking up points left and right, which isn't super shocking. I think the most surprising thing with him this year has been at least slightly improved defensive efforts. I, I still think he has issues where, you know, there's some stuff with his game that I'm not really in love with, I would say. But, you know, even if he gives a marginal level of defensive effort and tracks back here and there to break up some plays, I, I think that that's the bare minimum that I would ask for. If he gives us that with the amazing goal scoring that he's capable of, I really have no complaints. I don't mind that at all. Same thing with, you know, Shifley doing his thing. In the Pacific Division, we've seen some interesting defenders finding success as well. Oliver Shillington continues to be a bit of a revelation for the Flames, although I think anyone who was really high on Shillington earlier, aka me and a few other people, we were always expecting some level of breakout from him. He has all of the puck handling, the skating, the vision, uh, the passing and shooting to be a truly effective top four offensive D. I know that his D game itself was actually a little bit rough around the edges, but once he kind of got um, the chance to really let loose and skate freely with the puck, I feel like his best qualities started to show themselves, and so Sutter trusting him I find very interesting. Chris Tanev has also been a very good addition for that Flames back end. That team has traditionally not had like an amazing blue line, but it is starting to round into form with Shillington and Tanev now joining Valamaki, Anderson, and a pretty okay crew. The loss of Giordano definitely hurts, but it's not like they can't get by. 
As far as other flames that I think have been doing really well, Andrew Mangiapane has been absolutely flying. Mangiapane is an awesome winger and an absolute pest in the slot and certainly in the wide spaces where he actually has a surprising amount of physicality and frustration to his game. It's kind of like watching a slightly different version of Marchand, but, you know, Mangiapane, he's got some different traits to his game, I would say. I don't, I don't think he's, like, nearly as dirty or as pesty, but he definitely has this ability to get under your skin and also find really soft scoring spots. So a very good winger developing, and he's having a fairly big year. Uh, aside from that, there are some interesting goaltenders coming out of the West. Um, Jacob Markstrom, a, another flame, is just doing absolute bits for Calgary, which we kind of expected. Markstrom was one of the top Vezina candidates that didn't really get any attention maybe last year or the year before, but he's just pretty darn good, so you can't really be upset with that. He, I think, is finding a good level of success, and I'm kind of happy for him. I think he's had a, a bit of a journeyman's career, and certainly playing with Vancouver has been a very trying experience at times, but he seems to have settled with the Flames pretty well. The other goalie that I think is surprising a lot of people is Jonathan Quick. He's been splitting it with Cal Peterson behind an LA Kings team that is extremely stingy. They don't give you a lot, and when they finally do crack and break, it's still difficult to score because Quick and Peterson have honestly been pretty good in net. It'll remain to be seen if that level of performance continues for the Kings because I think the uh, the LA defense is still a bit ramshackle, and you know without Dowdy, it is definitely being pushed to the limits. But so far, they've handled it, and they seem to be doing... Okay, Californian hockey this year has been a lot better than I was expecting, so maybe the Pacific Division isn't nearly as bad as I expected, or, you know, things are just a little bit inflated and we're not really getting the full picture. Whatever the case is, it's at least given the Jets fits, so I'll have to give them some credit. There are plenty of other players out there who have been having really big years, you know, guys like Jonathan Dolan, who I think a lot of people used to kind of recall being a, a pretty highly touted Vancouver Canucks prospect, but now has finally made his debut with the Sharks more regularly. But we will save that for some future episodes. For tonight's podcast, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Subscribe to Locked on Bets today. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.